Welcome to Be More Super the Podcast. Up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. An action-packed podcast where we'll discuss all things entertainment. You're the answer to are we alone in the universe? Conventions, prop collecting, cosplay, interviews, reviews, and so much more. The show starts with host Brian Gardner right now. So on this week's episode of Be More Super, the podcast, we've got a real treat. Uh, This lady has been in so many classic and cult movies from Weekend at Bernie's, The Last Starfighter, The Sea Wolf, one of my favourites, and uh, even Knight Rider. Um, So I'm sure we're going to have a little chat about a few of her wonderful projects. It's, of course, Catherine Mary Stewart. Catherine, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks. And how is everything where you are? Because you're currently in in good old New York. Uh, how is every ev- everything with the pandemic? I mean, are you doing okay? Yeah, we're doing good. I'm actually in North Carolina at the moment. I'm not in New oh. York. I'm on the Outer Banks of North Carolina. So if my connection's a little, it looks a little uh, iffy here. We it's don't fine. have the It'll greatest. Are you okay? It's good. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Um, yeah, they, it's, we don't have great internet here, unfortunately, but, um, yeah, with the pandemic, you know, I'm a little nervous about the, the, you know, the new little strains of virus coming up, but, um, uh, so we, we, you know, we, we still wear masks in public, uh, my family anyway, wears masks in, you know, grocery stores and things like that, um, in public places where people tend to get close together but um for the most part you know feeling pretty good completely vaccinated the whole family is and um yeah it's uh yeah sort of getting back to normal people are really trying to get back to work there's lots and lots of Mm. projects going on out there um lots of auditioning and things that i'm working on myself um moving towards directing and, and all that and writing and things like that which is something i um i i pursued more uh while the pandemic was happening, I was I found myself writing and and doing that kind of stuff. So, I've been busy. <laughs> and I've got to mm. say, you know, obviously the pandemic stopped a lot of things, but mm. it gave everyone a chance to, I I, I I suppose, take a step back and value everything in their lives, their loved ones, their jobs, and that mm. creativeness that's come out of the pandemic is obviously apparent because so many projects are. Uh, are now flourishing and it's mm. really nice to see everyone back i mean the uk believe it or not is scrapping all restrictions on monday so um, yes i heard that which i'm not a massive fan of uh having two little mm. girls myself and having to go mm. through it all and be a key worker as well and worked all the way through the pandemic um it's not it's not nice nice environment to be in uh, but as you said, we're going to continue wearing masks. Uh, we're going to keep our distance and um, get 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 through it. Um, urge everyone yeah. to get jabbed and get that vaccine and uh, get that herd um, immunity. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Exactly. It's it's uh, kind of uh, depressing how many people are you know against getting a vaccination or they 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 believe some of the 
the rumors that it, it could do all sorts of things to you and whatnot. But mm. uh, yes, it's um, yeah. We just got to get through it. You know, it's um, it's mm. a frightening it's a frightening thing. But it, it for sure people have on so many different levels are, are rethinking things. I was listening to the radio about you know minimum wage here in the United States you cannot live on, um, mm. and so many companies that's all they are. Um, providing or less than minimum wage in, in many cases and um uh there's this they it's like what are they calling it a mass uh, walkout or, or something like that where people are just not going back to work because they don't like their job they're not getting paid enough which is interesting it'll be interesting to see how everything unfolds i think it's sort of it's kind of been this reset and i don't think it's a negative one either i think it could be very very positive Mm, mm. And and there's definitely pos positive things at the end of the uh, the tunnel. And uh, you being on the show is definitely bringing mm. a ray of sunshine to people's uh, <laughs> eyeballs and ears. Um, so before Aww. we talk about your wonderful career, I wanted to ask why acting? Why choose a profession that's so competitive and can be cutthroat? I mean, what attracted you to acting of all things? Well, uh, I didn't really choose acting. Acting kind of chose me in a way. I was uh, I was um, a dancer, and I was living in London, as a matter of fact, uh, training at a school, um, a performing arts school, which was primarily dance, but also offered um, theater class and singing and all all kinds of performing arts. Um, so I I kind of had this great foundation really and I um, auditioned as a dancer for uh, uh, this movie one day by chance literally by chance I really just kind of tagged along with a couple of friends not being prepared at all with you know uh, material to audition with or anything but it was a, a dance audition primarily and um, the director saw me and kind of pulled me out of the crowd and um, asked me if I could act. So, of course, I said yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry, I, no, I don't do anything. <laughs> but anyway, he had me audition uh, for the lead role, and I ended up getting it. So, um, you know, it's it really was a case of, uh, although I've, I've been, you know, performing for a long time in a, in a different kind of area primarily, um, it kind of just fell in my lap in a strange sort of way, and I I just tried to keep the keep it moving forward after that. That's wonderful. And you were born mm -hmm. in Canada, but if I'm right in saying mm -hmm. you've got English descent, and when I read this this fact, I had goosebumps. Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because I'm born and bred in Nottingham, which from the facts <gasps> on online is that your grandfather was born in nottingham is that correct that's correct on my mother's side yes um oh, yeah bizarre. we have all sorts of relatives in that area for sure we're probably cousins or something <laughs> who knows who knows uh, we've got a big family our goners so uh you never know but it but, but it was really bizarre because i was reading trivia and a lot of the time it's just made up stuff and when i saw nottingham yeah. i thought no get out of it of all places yeah um yes. but uh but yeah so you studied in london how was it to 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 spend your early years staying in Lon london because did you stay in the capital or were you staying on the outskirts no, I was I was right in London in um uh oh, where was I I um jeez oh, 
Okay. Like near Regent's <laughs> Park. I'm sorry. Right. I, I'm just completely blank. I, I actually stayed for a long time at the YWC in Mornington Crescent, YWCA in Mornington Crescent. Um, and uh, yeah, so I was right in town there. I would walk to my dance class every day. Um, but you know, we had been to, we have a lot of relatives in in England in general and mm -hmm. Scotland actually. And um, we had been there several times while I was growing up. So it wasn't completely unfamiliar to me. Um, so I, I had a little, I had kind of a comfort zone with it. When I was trying to figure out where I would go to um, train, I was thinking, well, Toronto, which would be a big city in Canada, comparatively speaking, or New York, which scared me. Toronto kind of the idea was like, mm, sort of meh, you know. Um, mm. New York freaked me out, the idea of going to New York. But London kind of fell somewhere in the middle, so that's why I chose to go there. It just sort of mm. felt like more of a natural kind of progression, and there was a little bit of a comfort zone there. <laughs> and has London <laughs> changed over the years since, you know, when, when, when you were there compared to now? Compared to now? Um, well, I haven't, you know, I haven't been, well, I, have, I, I guess I've been to a convention or two in London, actually, um, in more recent years. Um, you know, I, I just my sense of it, uh, I don't really feel like it's changed that much. I mean, it's such an old, established city. You know, I, 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 guess, I guess there have been a lot of, like, modern um, architecture and things like that since I've been there. But, I mean, I, I, when I go to London, I always just sort of feel how I felt when I lived there before, this kind mm. of, you know, this ancient place that has such culture uh i feel mm. that, like that totally still exists today mm. and it's got an awesome theater dis district as yeah. well the west end uh some mm -hmm. awesome shows um but you of are course, a very yes. successful actress and you have you've got the back catalog uh which is so impressive i mean at what point in your career did you feel do you know what i'm really good at this <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever felt that exactly. <laughs> really? You know, well, like when you said, when in the introduction, you said it's such a, a competitive business. Why on earth would you choose it? Well, it is so competitive. Um, and there's no absolute. Like, you can't just sort of all of a sudden wake up one day and say, well, I've got this figured out. It, it just doesn't happen. Every new um, role is a challenge in its own way. Um, there's, you know, you always have somebody nipping at your heels com competitive wise. Um, and, uh, it's, it, 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 there was, there's never been a moment where I woke up and said, Oh, I've got this all I'm, I've made it now. And I, I <laughs> would, I would wager that there are very few actors who feel that way. And if they do, I think that they're probably in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> because you know again it's just like every role with any luck is is different so mm. it sort of presents itself with um a whole bunch of new challenges and um it's hard work it's really really mm. hard work to just it, on so many different levels not only just memorizing lines that's one part of it but 
trying to get inside the character and making it your own and then uh you know hoping that, working with a director and and uh, uh just the whole process is extremely challenging and and um but that's what makes it so interesting as well mm. um and it, it it's it yeah I mean, who was your biggest inspiration? You know, when you were grow, grow, growing up and you wanted to go into dance and acting, who mm. did you sort of have on your wall? Who was the person that you thought were amazing? <laughs> well, I thought I, I had a picture of Paul Newman on my wall. <laughs> That's good stuff. I don't know. He's a good actor. Yeah, well, he's a, he's a, he is, in my opinion, or was, one of the most underrated actors. And I think that one of the reasons was is because he was so good looking. I mean, that's why I had him on my wall because I just thought he was <laughs> really, really good looking. Um, in terms of dance, I remember uh, in Canada, there was a prima ballerina named Karen Kane, although ballet wasn't my forte. Um, mm. She was very inspiring. You know, growing up, I, I, I didn't have this... Um, concept that that's what I was going to be as an actor. So I wasn't sort of, and we were a really a big, huge movie-going family even. Mm. I mean, uh, you know, I, Julie Andrews, I loved her and, and everything that she did. I loved musicals. We would buy like the albums of different classic Julie Andrews musicals and I would memorize everything. I was big on, um, you know, memorizing albums and then well, record albums back then, right? And and uh, if I was ever alone in the house, I would put them on and just sing at the top of my lungs. That was <laughs> I loved doing that. Um, but to say that there was one person that inspired me to be an actor is is difficult. I mean, there's so many wonderful actors that I I watch these days that you know are you you try to uh, you know tap into, I guess, on some level or think, how did they do that? And mostly I've come up with, in all my years doing this, is, 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 um, is confidence in your choices and um, just really enjoy what you're doing. Just enjoy mm -hmm. it and make it your own. Uh, because you just, there's no point in trying to duplicate somebody else, you know. Mm -hmm. um, acting is such a subjective thing. And all you can do is... Um, try to be with af after the work that you put into the in individual characters just try to be as organic as possible because um being on camera it, it, the audience sees everything they see mm. everything that is going on behind the eyes and and um uh it, it, there's it's very difficult to uh pretend you know pretend mm. that you're acting or pretend that you're this character or you have to really become it in, in on a certain level mm. i mean looking back at like when you start started out how different would you say is now for a female to to you know uh, you know break through now compared to when you did mm. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard. I, that's a hard question because I'm mm. so not in that position anymore. I'm like the older woman now. Um, so I'm not exactly certain what young actresses go through these days. For me, it was, you know, it was a very sort of hands-on, face-to-face. Of course, there was no internet or anything like that. And that seems to be very, very important um, in terms of uh, work and and. You know, if you uh, there, 
there's circumstances if you have enough followers that that's that'll help you get mm -hmm. a job um there's also access to the internet in terms of creating your own content you know um which i think a lot of actors do nowadays uh in not only creating their own content in as far as making their own movies or or, or whatever but of course uh well youtube obviously and and TikTok and uh Instagram, all these things really seem to have a big influence, especially on the younger actors, um, in terms of where their career might go. Uh, for me, it was it was so different because it was really just pounding, literally pounding the pavement. If you were lucky enough to have an agent who would set up auditions for you, it was all a lot of driving. Los Angeles is a big driving town, sprawling. You spent a lot of time in your car going from one audition to another, and and there would be several a day perhaps you know um now it's like all online it, that that's a huge adjustment for my generation trust me you know trying to, to figure out all this like self-tape stuff and um it's just not the same i used to really love auditioning like going into the room with the director and the producer and and the casting person i really love that because you had uh, like some context some communication now it's like you have these self-tape auditions that are the size of a thumbnail that somebody might be looking at on their phone and they just swipe left if after you know mm -hmm. a certain number of sec seconds if they don't think that you look right or something like that as opposed mm -hmm. to having some intimate interaction which i feel like is really important because this is somebody you're gonna have to be working with and you want to know who they are um and you want to know who they are as people i would think um so it, it is a whole different uh it's a whole different universe now um and i i don't like it as much i have to say mm. uh, i miss i miss i mean of course the pandemic just wiped out all kind of intimate communication or contact i should say but um in many different ways <laughs> but uh but yeah i i do miss that so much mm -hmm. i mean i've got to say I, I i suppose auditions is an art in itself and mm. i suppose if if you're in an, an audition face face to face and they wanted you to I, I, I don't know, do your sides a, a little bit different, you would have that mm -hmm. chance. But I suppose a self-tape, you've got one chance at delivering mm -hmm. what you would think is the perfect audition, uh, which right. is, is, is good on one hand because you can keep on recording it, but mm -hmm. not good on the other because obviously if the casting director, director doesn't like it, as you said, swipe to the left and you've gone. Um, <laughs> I'm gone. I have no chance. Yeah. There's no redemption whatsoever. <laughs> it's like you make a choice and you just pray that that's, something that will be interesting to them um it's 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 tough it's really tough mm. trying to stand out in a crowd because also they can audition so many people now because they don't mm. have to do anything they don't have to set up appointments they don't have to have a space they don't have to do anything it's like it's all sort of up to the actor and and you just you just sort of keep your fingers crossed and hope that there's something in there that is unique and and um, catches their attention and maybe mm. they'll give you a second chance with a callback or something but it's it's hard it's very very hard mm. but again you know this is what kids do I mean their whole it's almost like an extension of their body uh, mm. this the internet so it's more of a, a learning curve for 
somebody like me where the internet sort of happened when I was, you know, halfway through my life practically. Um, uh, anyway, it, it's, it, it's very challenging, but again, for, for those who are just growing up and that's all they know, they're growing up in the business and that's it. That's what they know. It's, um, it's just a different, different experience. Um, mm. I, I'm the one that has to adjust. You know, my, my um, generation is the one that has to, like, figure it all out. And it's not easy. No, it's not. It's <laughs> not easy, bless you. Um, but we're going to go backwards in time. 37 years ago, we oh, got the, the release of The Last Starfighter. Um, I know, 37 so, years um, ago today, right? I know, it's, it's incredible. That's crazy. And do you know what? It's, 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 it's one of my all-time favourite movies. I can remember Aww. being a kid and, and renting the VHS um, and watching it for the first time. And even to, to this day... I think it still holds up as as an awesome movie. It really, really does. I mean, talking about auditions, obviously, when you went mm -hmm. for the role of Maggie, you know, mm -hmm. what what information did you have before you went to the 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 audition? I mean, what did the advert say, or what did your agent <laughs> say that you were going for? Um. Well, I think that basically. I First of all, it was, I suppose, 36 years ago that I auditioned for it. So I, I lost a few of the details along the line, along the way. And also, you know, you kind of, you do this project or whatever, you do the whole process. I was doing lots and lots of auditions all at once at that, at that time. Um, and and it, was, it was sort of like 15 or 20 years later that all of a sudden the last Starfighter came up and... and people were talking about it again you know what i mean so it's like mm. there was that whole lag time where i sort of put it to the back of my mind so all of those little tiny details i sort of forget but i mean maggie was sort of the character that i was auditioning for a lot kind of the girl next door sort of a thing um so i kind of had that character down i was doing days of our lives the soap opera here at that time as well and my character kayla brady was the same sort of character um so i, I mean i don't think though that i got to read the script ahead of time that doesn't happen very often lance talks about how he insisted on getting a script he doesn't want to do a an audition without knowing what it is he's getting into especially when mm. he i mean his role he was carrying the movie so that's a little more at stake there um but it was as far as i can remember it was a pretty typical audition a lot of the same actors you know were there that i would audition with a lot of times and um i auditioned i got a call back and the call back i was paired with lance and we um read together uh we he and i kind of sat and talked about the characters a little bit before uh we auditioned you know did the call back and um uh I don't remember what scene we actually read, but I remember um, we had to improvise a little bit. They said, okay, you're mm. you're at the lake and you're lying there and you're just kind of like, you know, your boyfriend and girlfriend, you've been together for a while. You know, you're just lying at the lake enjoying yourself. What would you be doing kind of a thing? 
And it really had nothing to do with the script at all. It was improvising. So I, I do remember kind of lying on the floor and looking up at the stars. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, talking to Lance, you know. Um, so when, um, but there were a lot of kind of like A-list actors up for the same role. I think they sort of wanted somebody less well-known. It's a small film. Um, and they wanted the audience to really be uh, to relate to it more and maybe the, the lesser known actors would take that kind of stigma off it so um i was of course really really pleased to get the role and it was just one of the most lovely experiences as as a, I, as an actor for me i mean it looks like it was so much fun to film and lance who's yeah. been been on the show a little, a little mm -hmm. while, while ago it's such a card, mm -hmm. it really is. I mean, what was it like <laughs> yes. filming the film and what's your fondest memory of your time on set? Yeah. Um, yes, uh, Nick Castle, the director, is just a lovely man. He, 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 we were all very young, you know, obviously. He works really, really well with younger actors. Um, it, it, it really did feel sort of like a labor of love, the whole thing. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, it, 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 there was just this sense of, I don't know, just, I always felt just very, very relaxed and, and there was just sort of this sense of kind of subdued joy, you know, on the set, yeah. um, real creativity. I mean, Lance and I got along great. He and I are still really good friends to this day. Um, it was just a lovely experience. I mean, the worst part about it, I'll start with that, is that I did a lot of night shooting, and I hate night mm. shooting. I hate it. Um, my body never adjusts to night shooting. Um, and, and actually, I was also still shooting Days of Our Lives at that time. So there was a couple of days where I'd be on the set of Days of Our Lives and then have to, you know, get on the set of... Uh, of the last starfighter out in the Antelope Valley or whatever. Um, so, it, you know, it could be challenging and a little bit tiring, but overall it was, it was a lovely experience. And, and, you know, like one of my favorite scenes is actually at the lake, that whole sequence where, you know, he's saying all, it, well, he's the beta unit at that point, and he's saying all mm -hmm. the wrong things, and then he gets shot and this thing squirts out, which was pretty funny. <laughs> and then I love the sort of action of, leaping in the truck and driving you know towards the that alien pod or whatever it was and you know the as there's an explode the drama and the romanticness <laughs> of the thing exploding in the background and looking up to the sky and the winds blowing and I'm, i love you alex rogan i mean i love that part that was so much fun for me and it's got it's, it's it's got better over age. It really has. I mean, what do you think is is the magical source of that movie? What do you why do you think it connects so well uh, mm -hmm. to this day to people? Well, I just think because um, personally, I think because the characters are so sort of relatable in a way. You know, it it takes place today. I mean, yes, we shot it in the eighties, but it could still be today. It was just a a humble little trailer park in the middle of nowhere with these humble characters. But, but you know, I think that the Maggie and Alex characters are living in such a pivotal time in their life. You know, they're graduating from high school and they're trying to decide what they're going to do with the rest of their lives. And they're trying to get into colleges. And everybody can relate to that. 
and then but they don't get to experience the fantasy of mm. what Alex ends up going through as this incredibly good uh you know computer game player this mm. er, you know um to actually play the real thing in outer space i mean so to go from this sort of trailer park to outer space and you know saving the universe is 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 like a fantasy but i think at its core that the characters are real to people and relatable mm. um and and so people can invest in in these characters it's not just you know hyper action hyper special effects constantly through the whole thing just blasting you as you go through it's it's a it's a it's a real kind of narrative you know about real characters i that's and, my theory anyway that people can relate to it and when i was younger i thought those special effects were groundbreaking i just thought everything about it was absolutely ama amazing and there were rumors mm. and the beam rumors for years about mm -hmm. a sequel and obviously something to do mm -hmm. with rights um obviously if there were a sequel i presume you'd put your hand up and say yes please um, yes please which, yeah. <laughs> which which direction would you like to see uh you go in uh, you know into the sequel i mean would you want to be i mean obviously the years years have gone on do you think uh, mm. you would have kids and they would be the next last starfighter right yes absolutely i think that um you know there have been a lot of just different ideas bounced around for sure the first time that i even heard about a sequel was oh, probably 10 or 15 years ago nick castle and lance and i all went for lunch and he was talking about a script that he had written that he really and he kind of described what he sort of thought would happen to the characters and yes we would be parents and it would have something to do with our child maybe i don't know discovering that his father was the last starfighter or something like that um i i the latest generation of ideas are so jonathan betchel the the original writer got the rights back so he's also sort of been stewing in the last starfighter juices for a while too in terms wow. of coming up with a an idea of it and um from i mean i honestly i don't really know any more than what's online mm -hmm. although we do have a little more contact with like nick i think nick castle will still be involved and certainly jonathan betchel which is great because I, re I feel like it, it, it hopefully will hold up in terms of integrity, you know, mm. for the or original theme and whatnot. Um, and but there, there's definitely uh, scenes that include um, Alex and Maggie as as parents. It would be really fun to be a, a starfighter myself too. But we'll see. <laughs> I might be too old. This, I'll be in a wheelchair no. by the time this thing comes out. <laughs> Get out of it. You know that old. You'll be up there fighting those aliens. Um, but going from Alex, yeah, going from Alex playing uh, on that arcade game to you playing mm. on an arcade game, The Tempest in Night of the Comet. Good old Regina. Yeah, um, that's right. What an awesome movie. And you realize how difficult <laughs> it is to get hold of that movie on DVD. 
or on anything. Oh, it's it? become a collector's item. In the UK, we can't get it. Mm. I mean, I watched it oh, years wow. ago. Um, but obviously, you 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 play Regina uh, Bel- Belmont in this awesome movie. Mm-hmm. It's actually good fun, and it's, it's mm-hmm. just brilliant. And again, another film that we should get a sequel to, because uh, it definitely leaves open at the end. Um, so you went off the back of uh, The Last Starfighter. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, did you get this role because of The Last Starfighter, or did you have to audition once again? I did have to audition, but The Last Starfighter, I, I think my sort of cred, I guess, was um, heightened with The Last Starfighter. I, I, again, long time ago, so I don't remember the exact sequence of events, but I believe that I didn't have to do an initial kind of audition with like a casting director and then pass that phase and get move on. I think I moved right to auditioning with somebody who um, they sort of put me with as uh, my sister, Sam, and we auditioned together and um, Kelly Maroney auditioned with somebody else who was more like blonde and, you know, fairer than me, I guess. Um, So when I got the role, you can imagine my surprise when we ended up in the same room together. It was like, oh, I didn't expect to see you here. But yeah, I think that, uh, but of course, we didn't like uh, necessarily look a lot alike physically, and honestly, many siblings don't. But um, we really did seem to have some great chemistry, you know. In terms of, I mean, our characters were very, very different. Kelly and I are very, very different, but we, we're again, we're still really good friends to this day. You know, it just worked out um, really, really well. I think. Mm. And your character in Night of the Comet, I've got to say, is pretty kick-ass. Uh, you see her wielding the Uzi and 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 fighting the zombies. Um, did mm. you get any training for that? Because I can't imagine you on a Saturday afternoon, you know, <laughs> you know, shooting an Uzi uh, and then going for lunch, 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 and a vino with the girls. I mean, I mean right, did right. you do tra- oh, no, tra- training? <laughs> That's absolutely my lifestyle all the time. I just carry Uzis awesome. around. I, it was actually a Mac 10. Remember? It's right. like they kept jamming. Daddy would have gone oh. with us Uzis. Yes, of course. <laughs> yeah, sorry. And the story goes, actually, yeah, right? The story goes that um, if you look at the photo, there's a photograph in the very beginning of uh, Sam and Reg and Dad, who's the Green Beret, right? That's Tom Eberhardt, the director. And so, and and the story goes that he really wanted Uzis, and the they were too cheap. I mean, the budget on this thing was very low, so Mac tens were apparently a lot easier, cheaper. And so, <laughs> when and and somehow Tom predicted that they wouldn't be great, that they would jam and whatnot. And mm. so when they, we were doing that scene where we're shooting the car, right, practicing, I guess, with the Mac tens. Um, it, it did. It kept jamming and jamming and jamming And when um, Sam was shooting. And um, so Tom was like, mm-hmm, knew that. So that whole part of the scene was kind of like made up on the spot. It was like, I think Tom gave Kelly that line, Daddy would have got us Uzis, literally meaning Tom Eberhardt would have had Uzis on the set had it not been, <laughs> you know, such a low budget um so this there's this sort of you know little subtle 
dig, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So daddy would have got us Uzis, yeah. But you know, the <laughs> Mac 10 submachine gun was practically made for housewives, so what the heck. <laughs> and and just and quoting honest, the movie all over the place here. <laughs> I'm English, so I wouldn't know the difference between any gun. To be fair, <laughs> so um, right? I do. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I to me, it's a gun's a gun. I'm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, and they're all pretty nasty. I don't know the difference mm. either. I, I'm not. A, I have no idea about guns. We did to answer your question, by the way. We did have to train. Um, mm. We were taken to a firing range and shot off you know, the Uzis and, and whatnot. But, you know, of course, the there were blanks in there. We weren't actually shooting anything. But just having a weapon on set, mm. they're, every, they're very, very, very careful always. And so they should be because there's been mm. some pretty nasty accidents in the past. So, mm, um, yeah, but we we had to learn how to handle the gun for sure. And that film as well has become like a cult classic. It really has. Mm -hmm. It's like you've definitely got the Midas touch to, 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 to <laughs> films. You really have. Um, I mean, with that, why why do you think it's 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 so, you know, loved again to this day? Because because uh, to quote this, Josh Josh Whedon actually mm. said that this was a big influence for him for Buffy the Vampire mm -hmm. Slayer. So mm -hmm. so technically, you are the influence for Buffy. Uh, which is yeah, is well, pretty awesome. mostly mostly Sam because of the cheerleader thing and all that stuff yeah, is the influence. Thank you. You know, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, so she's kind of like a hybrid, isn't she, Buffy? Mm. She's sort of that tough chick, but she's also like a cheerleader or whatever. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a massive compliment for sure. Um, you know, it's it's just luck. I, I don't know it, this this kind of cult film status thing that people talk about. I mean, I, I think, you know, all these other movies that were shot around the same time, Back to the Future, I don't know, it goes on and on and on. These massive movies, I'm sure have a much bigger fan base, but it is incredible how passionate the fans are about these little movies. And I think maybe mm -hmm. part of the reason is because they're little. Maybe they're proud of the fact that they're, mm -hmm. you know, such big fans of, movies that maybe not everybody in, on planet earth saw but mm -hmm. they really do hold up and again i i think that um you know one of the reasons i i love this script was because um reggie was as tough as she was as opposed to kind of what i've been playing a lot which was the girl next door kind of a thing mm -hmm. and i always felt that reggie was more like me you know um i i, I you know, I had to dig more to be the girl next door and kind of like kind of person. I grew up with two <laughs> older brothers and, and you know, just trying to keep up with them all the time. And I was always pretty physically active. And so I related more to the Reg character, I would say. Mm. Um, probably sassy. I was pretty sassy as a kid too. Um, so, uh, but, but I think again, the characters are sort of relatable on some level, you know, these just normal kids that people can sort of relate to are all of a sudden the last people on earth as far as they know. And, and I, what I also like is that it, it, it gives the audience a chance to imagine that they can survive stuff too. You know, it doesn't have to be some superhero who sweeps in and rescues everybody. It's just going to be a couple of kids. Um, and uh, I've heard so many different um, 
stories about how how you know people can relate to the characters like w one person just the other day was saying she she grew up as a military brat so mm. they move around a lot they really have to become sort of independent have this sense of independence and to be able to really look after themselves and she said you know i watched this movie and i could relate to it on you she said which was such a nice compliment you guys really uh really portrayed these characters in a way I could relate to. They were independent. They were, could look after themselves. They weren't like, you know, they didn't have these helicopter parents. They, they, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, but Tom tells the story, the, the director tells the story about, he, he loves this kind of ap apocalyptic kind of uh, narrative where, you know, something awful happens and the entire city is left empty. Um, and how you survive that. And he had this idea of, well, what if it was a couple of teenage girls? So he did some interviewing with teenage girls. And to his surprise, it was like they weren't, you know, devastated and and falling apart. They were like, this is excellent. You mean <laughs> our parents aren't around anymore and we can do whatever we want? <laughs> they oh, thought it was the dangerous. greatest thing ever. So that's, he built it from that, which is hilarious in itself. I mean, it, it's such a great foundation for the story, which is also such a wonderful, that another thing about by the comment is it's unique in that it, it has so many different elements, you know, the zombies, mm -hmm. the apocalypse, um, the comedy, you know, it, mm -hmm. it's a, a unique combination. You don't see that very often. I, I can't even put my finger on any other movie really that combines all that stuff in kind of a I feel like sort of a subtle way you know it's not a comedy you can't really tag it as a comedy um you can't tag it as a horror movie you can't really tag it as a, a pure apocalyptic kind of a thing I I think that makes it stand out <laughs> and do you think we'll ever see a sequel to it or because yeah. it leaves in such a way that actually it's completely open i mean you see dmk mm. drive driving off his <laughs> in his mercedes i think it was um mm -hmm. you know you starting a life i mean um it would be mm -hmm. great to get a seat a sequel it really would yeah to see what happened with uh, old reg and hector <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, um, with, with the kids yeah. as well, and it'd be wicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really Just starting all over again. Um, yes, I mean, absolutely. It did leave it wide open. But Tom Eberhardt has, ex who also now has the rights again to it. There is, mm -hmm. there was this rule that came up. I don't know how long ago, uh, maybe ten years ago, where writers were given back rights um, after thirty years because Universal owned it for all that time, and and nobody mm -hmm. could get a hold of it. Um, or buy the rights. I don't think even Kelly Pratt, uh, Kelly Maroney, excuse me, um, tried to get the rights to the movie to make a sequel, but could not do it. So um, I know they there was an attempt to do a remake for a minute or two, but that fell through. But Tom has no real interest in making a sequel, so I don't know if that's in the cards. And I'm not a big remake person, so no. I, because it's never no. the same. No, I mean, the thing is, when something's such a, a cool classic, when you remake it, I just think, I don't know, it poop poops on, you know, 
the the previous version and it's never going to be good because we have that nostalgia about that feeling of watching mm. that movie so if they did remake it doesn't matter how good they remake it um it yeah. won't feel the same so i wanted to speak to yeah, you it by, won't be the same. Uh, I wanted to speak to you about a wonderful movie. I don't know if you get asked a lot about this movie, but The Sea Wolf, because it's yes. quite different to to what you've done previously. And you play mm. Fl- uh, Flaxen Brewster. Is it Brewster? Mm-hmm. Yes. Brewster, yeah. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and it's such a wonderful movie. How did the role come about for you? Because this was only a TV movie, and yet again, mm-hmm. uh, one of the hardest movies to obtain on DVD or VHS. Yeah. So... Um, but, but I mean, how did the role come about for you? Um, I I think it was an offer. They offered it to me. Um, you know, it got, I got to a point in my career where I was just getting offers, which is really, really nice. That's not happening anymore because mm. I, I, I didn't work for quite a while. So, and I got kind of out of the loop and I moved to New York and um, that definitely changed up my career. Um, but at that point, yeah, I was, uh, it was an offer. So, of course, I was interested. I mean, it's a classic novel, first of all. And I loved the idea of doing that kind of a period piece. I'd never done anything like that before. Um, so, and working, I mean, Charles Bronson and Christopher Reeve, I mean, who would turn that down? So, mm-hmm. and, and they also, I think, Part of the reason I was offered it was because it was shot in Vancouver and I'm Canadian. So I think that helped because mm. when you shoot in um, in Canada, they, they want Canadian content, you know, for like the first or second lead needs to be Canadian or, and that kind of a thing. Mm. So um, that probably helped in their choice of me. But yeah, oh, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, you really felt like you were in that era i mean the costumes were fantastic we would take this ship out this tall mast ship out into the ocean every day and shoot on that um which was really cool you know we all helped to raise the 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 sails and and do all that stuff and go all on out there and and we also i mean just being in the middle of the ocean uh, um, in the Pacific Northwest, we saw a lot of orca and all sorts of incredible wow. sea life. I remember one time we were shooting a scene and all of a sudden this orca jumped out of the ocean and splashed down, you know, in a very National Geographic picture-perfect way. Everything stopped. Everybody ran to that side of the ship and we were taking pictures, you know, and <laughs> the director's <laughs> like, wait, stop, we got to keep shooting. No, no, we have to look at this. Um so that way, it was a, it was, it was a really challenging um, and incredible experience. Um, it was, it was challenging on so many levels because this was a character I really hadn't kind of played before, mm. um, and uh, she goes from, you know, sort of being this. Uh, I don't know, sneaky thief kind of a person that steals from Christopher Reeve's uh, character to being, you know, lost on the open ocean and picked up basically by a pirate ship. And all just that you just, she ran the gambit. Um, one of the hardest scenes was where, because near the beginning of the, the movie, um, 
these two ships collide and the ship that we're on sinks and I end up on this little dinghy with Christopher Reeve in the open ocean. And what they had set up was this giant wave machine. I mean, I'm sure they didn't set it up. I'm sure it was something that existed. But all those scenes, like, especially when the dinghy pulls up to the sea wolf and we're supposed to get on board or escape from it or something, one of the two. I guess actually that might have been escaping from it because when we're picked up by the sea wolf, we're just floating on flotsam or something. Mm. Um, yes, we had to, they had these waves going, these artificial waves, and we had to climb overboard into this little dinghy. Literally, I thought I was going to die. Wow. <laughs> it was, it took every strength, every fiber of strength in my body to like hold on to the ship as we're getting in. And because you wouldn't believe how violent it was. So that was pretty challenging. But it was, I, I, I loved shooting that movie. I thought it was an excellent movie. Um, Charles Bronson and I stayed in, in, in touch afterwards until he passed away oh, quite a while ago now. We're still really good friends with his wife. Um, and tragically, Christopher Reeve had his mm. uh, jumping accident. I didn't see him for years and years later until he was doing, um, he was doing some event in New York. And my husband and I went and I went backstage and said hello to him. And he was very, very nice to me. But, you know, he was quadriplegic by that time. And then, I mean, the tragedy of his whole life. But, but I mean, the, the movie itself, I think, is, is really a wonderful movie with a, a, a terrific cast. And what was Reeve like to uh, perform op opposite? Because Christopher Reeve, for me, is my all-time idol. Absolutely love yes. Superman. I think he's mm. an awesome man. Um, he's got some great, great kids, and it just shows, you know, his, mm -hmm. you know, their upbringing, especially Will. Uh, I mean, what, what, what mm -hmm. was he like to uh, work with? Was he, uh, you know, good or? I, I, I he was fantastic. I mean, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, I hated him. No, yeah. he was well. Will had just been born when we were shooting that, so mm -hmm. he was he was kind of struggling with being awake at night, you know, looking after Will. Well, his wife was there, Dana, I believe, um, as well. But it was at they were both there and living in this apartment in Vancouver, and with a newborn baby. So you can imagine it was it was a lot. But no, he's he's like Christopher Reeve was like the quintessential actor, just very serious very very professional um yeah wonderful he's it was almost like working with a shakespearean actor or something like that he, he i learned a lot from him for sure well that is nice to hear because <laughs> uh, yeah because we don't tend 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 to get many people that have worked opposite chris i mean i've, in I've mm. interviewed a few of the cast of uh, the superman mo movies so sarah uh -huh. douglas and and jack o'hallahan mm -hmm. um and they've said it was very very nice and it'll always be remembered and i wrote a really nice letter to will um not oh, long ago you? and he sent me back a letter and I, I, I wanted to know, you know, what sort of man 
Chris Christopher was as, as a father and what sort of lessons he, he taught him. And mm-hmm. and he actually turned around and he said that he always said, give more than you take and leave the world a better place than you found it, which I think mm-hmm. is such nice things to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, definitely Fantastic. with my girls, I would definitely live, live that way. Um, so um, going on lastly, before we end this wonderful conversation, uh, conventions, have you got any planned... Mm-hmm. Uh, com- coming up with with the pandemic. Um, yeah, well, apparently the conventions are back you know, full force. Um, I don't have any coming up specifically. There's a couple in the air, but um, nothing is set in stone yet. So, and and nothing, even those, not until the fall. So mm-hmm. I'm not really saying anything about that. Um, you know, I've done a couple in London, which I loved. It, uh, you know, I just love London. The first time I took my son <laughs> and the second time I, my husband and I went. So I just love going back there. I lived, I also lived, I did live when I was first there training as a dancer. I lived in town. But when I moved back after I did The Apple, the first movie that I did, mm. I lived um, in Sunbury on Thames, which uh, I love. Uh, we went back there, and the local pub, the guy still remembered me. You know, that's oh, wow. that's kind of a cultural. I know. I love that. That that is a cultural thing that I miss so terribly. You know, in the U.S. and any place else, really, it's like the pub was like your living room, um, mm. uh, and you know, you knew the owner, and and uh, you know, you just saw the regular faces all the time, played the darts, all that stuff. I really, really miss that. And I loved living there. It's a beautiful place. Mm. Um, so I would, we would go back there and visit and, and whatnot. And, and my husband, while I was doing the convention, went to Hampton Court and did all the, you know, Big Ben and did all the stuff um, <laughs> that you're supposed so, to do when you go. So uh, fingers crossed uh, we could have you over in the UK uh, very, very soon. <gasps> yes. I mean, do you... Do you enjoy doing conventions? Are they is is it some some something that's that's a pleasure? Absolutely, because you know everybody is always just so incredibly kind, and they they always sort of inform me about the movies that I've been in because they generally know more about movies than I do <laughs> the movies that I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's always kind of fun, but also, you know, it's it's really wonderful meeting the people that like your work. Of course, it's in an ego way it is, but it's also, um, uh, I mean, honestly, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all those people. Mm-hmm. So having a chance to be able to give back a little bit is um, is really really nice. If if mm-hmm. you know, if somebody wants to meet me. I, I'm just, I feel grateful for that because where else do you get something like that, you know? And if you don't kind of um, acknowledge that or appreciate that, then what's the point? I mean, mm. the only reason we do what we do is for the audience. So to get to say hello to the audience that really likes what you do is, is a privilege, I think. And who do you get recognized for the most? You know, at conventions, what do you sign the most? Is it Night of the Comet, Last Starfighter? Um, I would say probably Night of the Comet, Last Starfighter, and Weekend of Bernie's are the three big ones. 
Wow, wow. So so I'll make sure that uh, if you're ever in the, U- the, the UK, I'll get a nice print of the sea wolf and it will throw you off guard. And yes! You sign that. You'll be oh like, my gosh. oh no, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, that would be fantastic, you know, because every once in a while somebody will show up and ask for something, some random thing that I've done. Um, I have, like, you know, we sign photographs and whatnot. I have pretty much everything, almost everything, um, that I've ever done. I have one or two photos If in case of emergency. I think I have one um, in the dinghy with Christopher Reeve that I talked about. Um, oh, wow. Photo. Yeah. Uh, there was just a quick story. You know, the very first movie I ever did was The Apples. It was a futuristic rock musical. Um, pretty weird movie. But... Um, at one convention, somebody uh, came to my table dressed as my character, who was this futuristic rock musician. So the outfit was just crazy, but it was a duplicate of what it was that I actually wore. So that was pretty, I was just like, wow, I can't believe you did that. That was so cool. It was very, very cool. That is awesome, and I'll have to uh, try and track down that picture of you and Chris in the dinghy because because yeah. I've got a Chris I've got a Christopher Reeve signed lobby card of him and Jane Seymour together in a boat in mm-hmm. somewhere in time. So it would just mm-hmm. be uh, picture perfect for you and Chris to get that signed by yourself oh. uh, in the future. But Catherine, thank you so much for 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 spending a bit of time with with uh, me over in the uk um you know i'm sure that people are going to love this interview uh what is next next for you what is are you putting your feet up and relaxing doing jigsaws (laughs) well actually we are i mean i'm um in north carolina like i said we're sort of at the beach and we're when we're here we do a an enormous number of jigsaw puzzles. Actually, we did an enormous number of jigsaw puzzles during the entire pandemic year. Uh, but we've got these thousand pieces. We're working on our second one right now as I speak. My my husband and my daughter are working on it. We just finished one yesterday, um, a John Singer Sargent and a beautiful painting of John Singer Sargent's. And this one is more of a, I, I'm not sure who the artist is, but it's more mm-hmm. of a modern theme. Um, so yeah, we do a lot of jigsaw puzzles, but Did honestly, I I feel like I've been busier this last year or two than I have for years and years. I because I've been sort of developing my own projects, which take an enormous amount of time and mm-hmm. and focus and energy. Um, yeah, so I'm I, I try to take as much time, you know, with my family as I can, but I like I have a self tape audition after this that I have to do. And I'm working on a I'll be in August I'll be flying to LA because I'm directing a play and we're doing a table read. So I've been preparing for that. Um, and then I have another project, a script that I wrote with my a partner um, that has been optioned in Canada. So we have to wow. stay on top of all that stuff. So yeah, it, it's that I'm going to direct. So um, it's busy. It's really, really busy, but I love it. And and we can keep uh, tabs, as they say, on the mm-hmm. progress on Instagram and Twitter because you're both on those. Um, I've got Catherine Mary Stewart on Instagram and then on Twitter, it's uh, CMS All. 
um, yep. which um, fans can follow you and uh, check out the pro- progress of upcoming projects. Catherine, look after That's yourself. Right. Uh, keep I will. Safe I'm also on Facebook, by the way, just so you know. There's a page, my page on Facebook where I, I spend a lot of time and, and I update everything on there as well. Catherine Mary Stewart. So, yes, thank you. It, it, it is a pleasure. <laughs> look after yourself. As I said, keep safe okay. and uh, all the best to the family. And um, I'm sure we'll uh, see you very, very soon in the UK at a convention. I hope so. I hope that would be fantastic. I'd love it. I'd love to go back to the UK. You've been listening to Be More Super, the podcast. It was kind of a crazy, fun experience. I love the show, guys. You're awesome. Listen, my whole family loves it, man. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and share with your super friends. In my world, it means hope.